This is the September 2nd release of the Joy of Discovery podcast. I'm Ben Payton, and thank you so much for being with us today. Are you in the New Testament? Mark chapter 5, verse 2, And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chain had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could any one tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What's your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion, setting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he being Jesus, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. By giving us the extreme case of legion, Mark assures us that we all fall within the boundary of Christ-caring power. Here's what Jesus did. If you go back a few verses, you'll see that immediately after taming the wild sea, you remember Jesus was asleep on the ship. They came to him. Uh, it was a bad storm and he spoke peace and that quickly it was calmed. So immediately after taming a wild sea, now he comes to tame a wild man. So we see in the big picture, not only does God have control over the winds and the sea and the climate, but he also has the same kind of power over man. There's basically two major observations to this message. The first one is legion faces Jesus, and the second one is Jesus faces legion. And we're going to look at that for just a moment. Let's begin here. How does legion face Jesus? Look at verse 3. He, 
who had his dwelling among the tombs. Legion faces Jesus as a rejected man. He was probably rejected from childhood, and without a doubt you can read the context here, and you see that he was rejected by the whole community. He was a rejected individual. We want nothing to do with him. We can't tame him. He's out of order. He screams. He's strong. He's dangerous. All of society had rejected him. And no doubt he was rejected by his past that haunted him and by the diagnosis of those around him. And with this in mind, we would see that finally Legion rejected himself. You know, we're the hardest people on ourselves, aren't we? We have a tendency when we look at ourselves, especially when we're having trouble like, and let's face it, Legion, man, he was in a bunch of trouble. We have a tendency to be hard on ourselves and we deal roughly with ourselves and, and that's what we see here. Legion was rejecting himself and he was in despair, which opened the door by which the demonic entered his life and he was overpowered. We have a tendency to be vulnerable, vulnerable when we're in a state of disarray, don't we? And no doubt, that's where Legion was. So he comes to Jesus rejected. Nobody else will have anything to do with him. We want nothing to do with him. He had to leave his home. He had to leave his community. He lived among the tombs by himself. Just him and the dead. Secondly, Legion was the object of negative solutions. Look at verse 4. They tried to bound him with shackles and chains. His keepers could do nothing but confine and restrict. That's their worldly wisdom. This is what we'll do. We'll do our best to control him. Aren't we control freaks? You see that? They wanted to control him. He's out of order. He's a chaotic person. It's in his life. It's in everything that he does. Let's do the best that we can to control him. So his keepers do what they can to confine and restrict him. And if you think about that, there has been little improvement in this approach today. We overlook the spiritual. We see someone that's having uh, difficulties in this manner, and the first thing we think of is uh, what we can do in our own worldly wisdom, what decision we can make, what out of our reservoir of knowledge and experience that we can exercise to help confine or restrict certainly for a better behavior for an individual. But you and I both know that doesn't work. Little improvement in the approach that we see here. For life's worst cases, we still offer only negative and confining solutions. This came into the church world, and I, I mean, we're dealing with it today. A lot of people look at church, and all they see from the church is a list of do's and don'ts. Can't go to that church because I have to smell a certain way. Can't go to that church because they won't let me do this and they won't let me do this and they won't let me do this. And you know that's something that all of us have promoted because we studied in Sunday school this morning about uh, judging and it said in verse 39 of uh, Luke uh, chapter uh, 6, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? And when we observed that chapter this morning, 
The first and out of our human wisdom, we think, well, yeah, the blind are sinners. But no, Jesus was talking to disciples, Christians, and he says, in our own human wisdom, we're nothing more than like blind people trying to lead the blind. We can't do it without total and complete dependence upon Jesus Christ. And so Legion faces Jesus, an object of negative solutions, and he faces him as a divided man. Would you look at verse 6? He ran and worshipped him. He ran and worshipped him. And if you go back and, and you read about this guy, my goodness, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. No one could bind him. He had often been bound with shackles and chains, and they'd been pulled apart by him, broken in pieces. No one could tame him. Always night and day, verse 5, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Then Jesus appears, and immediately he runs to Jesus and kneels down and worships him. So part of him wants to fall down before Christ and worship. Another part of him desires to run from Christ. Legion both hated and loved himself as he was. You ever been there? Love and hate yourself, kind of in a struggle, wanting to worship Jesus, wanting to love him, wanting to represent him, but all of the time you're fighting all of these other trials and tribulations, all of these other troubles, all of these things that have you shackled and bound that you can't get rid of. And so you just live with all of the guilt and all of the bitterness and all of the anxiousness. Legion faces Jesus as a divided man. On one side, he wanted to worship him. On the other side, he desires to run from Christ. Let's talk for a moment about Jesus facing Legion. He sees him as an accepting person. Look at verse 9. When this man came to him, he asked him what his name was. Before Legion could be helped, now get this, he was going to have to take ownership for who he was. He was going to have to accept the fact that he was a man possessed, out of control, and that no one could help him, not even himself. He was divided. He was, he was struggling. So Jesus says, what's your name? Who are you? Are you ready to stand up and take ownership for who you are? Now, we see this in the spiritual realm, you're not going to get anybody saved until they recognize and take responsibility for the fact that they have to answer to God. And the one thing they're going to have to answer for is whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it can be validated with a life that is reflected in the behavior. You can never divorce behavior from a relationship with Jesus Christ. What's your name? My name is Legion. Now, what is your name? Have you taken ownership for who you really are, what your position is before God? You can't get any help until you do that. You can't be saved until you say, no, I'm not a Christian. Most people say, you know, you ask them if they're a Christian, they say, well, I'm a good person, and they're a good person, and they do good things, and they do benevolent deeds. That's not the question. Your goodness and my goodness has never been the deciding factor of whether we go to heaven or not. The one determining factor is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been born anew into the family of God, washed in the blood of Jesus? That's it. You have to take ownership for who you are. And I no doubt 
by my own estimation, would say the greater number of people here would, could even go back to the time and the place when you recognized my name is Legion. I'm serving the world and I'm shackled by the world. See, some people say, well, I don't want to lose my freedom by becoming a Christian. What a crazy thought. You're going to be a slave to something. You're either going to be a slave to your lust and your desires and to the world, or you're going to be a love slave to Jesus, meaning you choose to serve him. He doesn't stand over you with a great big whip like Zorro or a sword ready to puncture you, and bring you down. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. My name is Legion. Jesus asked him that question so he could take ownership for who he was. And you cannot disown what you have become. Listen, you cannot disown what you have become until you own what you are. We want help from God, but we're unwilling to take responsibility for ourselves and where we are. We want to make excuses. Legion had to admit that he was full of division, which really his name suggests. Look at the end of verse 9. End of verse 9. My name is Legion, for we are many. He had many masters. And that's what the world is all about. Now, what is your master? MasterCard? Is that your master? <laughs> I heard one lady say one time, well, it's a perfect fit. Mint chocolate ice cream was my master. Ugh. I never could eat just one bowl. Never. I'd always eat two bowls and chew on those. I think it even fractured one of my teeth that I'm going to have extracted. But it would be worth it because it was that good. What's your master? Oh, I like fishing and I like to play golf. What's your master? There's no doubt many of them. What's your name? My name is Legion. For we are many, and there are many things in this world to pull at you. Many things. People say, well, you know, it's, it's not like it was in the old days. You could announce a church service and it would be packed. Well, sure it was. You know, they didn't have movie theaters. They didn't have television. They didn't have all of the competition for people's time today. What's your name? My name is Legion. If you're going to get help from God, you're going to have to take ownership for where you are and who you are. Jesus faces legion. First of all, he faces legion as an accepting person. He accepted who he was. Secondly, he gave legion a positive solution. Don't we like solutions? Look at verses 11 and following. Now a large crowd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, so all the demons begged him, send us to the swine. Verse 13, and at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, 2,000 of them. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So calmly Jesus said, be gone. Be gone. As the evil element in Legion's life frightened the swine, they jumped into the sea and Legion needed to see that. Why? He needed to know that God's forgiveness was as big as his sin. Often we make sin and guilt a bigger event than the grace of God's forgiveness. And nothing is bigger than God's grace. 
Nothing is bigger than what he did for us at Calvary. He freely chose to be tacked to that old rugged cross, to bleed and die so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is the gift of God. And he needed to let Legion see, hey, this forgiveness is a big deal. And look at this. Look how big it is. 2,000 swine are taking these demons. This has been a heavy load, a heavy burden that you've been carrying. But praise God, through my grace you're forgiven and you're set free. Verse 15, Jesus faces legion as a whole person. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion. Do you see it there? Setting and clothed and in his right mind. That's what the grace of God can do is put you in your right mind. Because of Christ's power, a divided man became whole. Yet when Legion became whole, the people around him were more afraid of him than they were when he was divided. Look at the end of that verse. And they were afraid. People are, can I say this and not offend anybody? People are crazy. <laughs> You'd think they'd be happy. They won't have to worry about him anymore. They won't have to worry about his voice possibly reverberating all the way into the city and hearing that and disrupting their snoring or their sleeping. But yet, they're afraid. Then they wanted Jesus to get out of town. You see, they were more concerned about their possessions than they were about human beings. They invited Jesus to leave out of the fear of this man's wholeness. That's sad, isn't it? That's real sad. I'm done. But I end with, I want to make two or three brief comments. Here's the first one. Christ does not come. Are you listening? I want you to underscore this. Picture this word, does not. Capital letters, underscored. Christ does not come to make us a little better. Did you get that? He doesn't come just like, yeah, I get a headache. I take a BC powder and come back strong. Makes me a little better for a while. Sooner or later, I get another headache. Hopefully, it'll be a year or two, but I'm a little better. I've dealt with the symptom. I don't know what's causing the headaches. Could be my music director here. I don't know. <laughs> Christ does not come to make us a little better. This is not a feel-good thing. You know what I mean? He comes with overwhelming power to restore life to its wholeness. This is my take on life. In order to be completely normal is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The people that aren't saved, that don't know Jesus, are actually the people that are abnormal. See, some people say, well, you become a Christian, you become abnormal. Absolutely not. God created us in the beginning in a perfect environment with a perfect relationship Adam and Eve, and the closest we can be in that state is to be a Christian, is to be a Christian. And we can be restored to that wholeness of life only when we come in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the word. We become normal. The only way you can be normal. See, most people say when you become a Christian, you become abnormal. I disagree with that. We're abnormal before we become a Christian. Because in the beginning, we were created to be 
in right relationship with him so that we could commune with him. So in order to be normal, well, what does it mean to be normal? Okay, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You enjoy the things of this world. You have regular taste and desires. Chocolate, mint, ice cream. Hot, when I see that word hot on that store down there on Melrose Avenue. You ever been by that store and it says hot and your mouth begins to water? Don't give me the donuts, just give me the holes. They won't have as many calories. And you never can eat just one. I shouldn't confess this. Don't tell anybody. There's been a time that I bought a half a dozen and eaten them all before I got home. He comes with overwhelming power to restore us to a life of wholeness. Now, you don't want to overeat. That's not good for you. But the point I'm trying to make in right relationship with Jesus, you become as normal that is possible in this life. And you enjoy the things that God has given us. Understand that part of legion that wanted to come to Jesus ultimately overcame that part which wanted to run. That's what we see here. Eventually, that part that wanted to come overcame the part that wanted to run. I've heard this said. I'm not sure I can support it with biblical scripture, but it makes good preaching. But God has created within each of us a vacuum, something missing that only can be satisfied with a right relationship with him. Legion, that part of him that wanted to come to Jesus ultimately overcame that part which wanted to run from Jesus. What about you? Take ownership for yourself where you are right now and determine what your need is. Do you need to be saved? Take care of that for heaven's sake. You can't be saved until you realize you've never, you've never, you've never come to him and said, I repent of my sins. I want to receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus will cover your sins, wash them away. He's already done that. The work's already been done at Calvary. See if I can quote this. Romans. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thine heart, notice I'm quoting the King James, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's kind of the quick and easy. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Then you need to make that decision today. Now, Christians, you're saved, but you've still got kind of a war going on inside. You need to take ownership for where the troubled area is. I see this is the problem. I got to give you this illustration out of the Old Testament Kings, I believe it is, chapter 6, when the son of the prophet lost the axe head off of the axe handle and he went to the man of the prophet and asked him to come and retrieve it and uh, Elisha said to him where did you lose it and he said right there's where I lost it in the water and he took a living branch now keep in mind he had a stick in his hand it wouldn't work he took a living branch cast it out on the water and it did swim and he reached out and picked it up you see you as a Christian can point to where the problem began if you're honest with yourself, you can take ownership. Right there's where it started. Right there's when I became apathetic. Right there's when I became somewhat lethargic in my relationship with Jesus. It's right there. And that's the beginning. 
and maybe you need to do that today. next Wednesday morning for yet another release of the Joy of Discovery. This is Ben Payton. We encourage you to go to our website, benpayton.com. There you can find all of the different apps where you can find the release of the Joy of Discovery. Also on our website, you can find our contact information. We'd love to hear from you. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday morning on the Joy of Discovery podcast. Till then, be sure to keep it real.